So we are going to look at Psalm chapter 23, verse 4 this morning. I've tagged this message, the valley we would not choose. The valley we would not choose. Okay, We're about to enter the valley. All right, we're about to enter the valley. Say that with me. The valley we would not choose. And here's the verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is God's word. Amen. So there really is a place called the Valley of the Shadow of Death in Israel. It's nicknamed that. If you go to Israel today, just east of Jerusalem, on your way to Jericho, is a trail called the Wadi Kelt. The Wadi Kelt. And it's nowadays, it's become a... Um, hiking, trekking place, and it will take you into this canyon that's nicknamed the Valley of the Shadow of Death. It's about 18 miles, and the canyons are there because uh, the area is made of limestone, and limestone dissolves in water, and the torrential rains over the years carved deep, shadowed valleys into these limestone masses, leaving these canyons surrounded by high cliffs, dotted with crevices and small caves. And they were ideal hiding places for both predators uh, and bandits. So when you're thinking about Jesus telling of the parable of the Good Samaritan and the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, this is what we're looking at here. We're looking at a winding, deep, creviced path where bandits would lurk. And you may be wondering, why then would a shepherd ever lead the flock through the canyon? What, what shepherd would do that? And the answer is summer. Summer. Remember those Pasture lands of green grass that we recited earlier in Psalm 23? Well, that's the springtime. But in Israel, I mean, it just rarely, rarely ever rains uh, from, say, May to October. And by summertime, those uh, verdant pasture lands of grass have become parched. It's dried up. There's no food. And there's no water. Those pooled waters, which were in the pasture lands from the torrential rains, they've evaporated. There's nothing there. It's just, it's just uh, you know, hard dirt. Got to drink. Got to eat. Got to follow the, the wadi, the stream bed. And so the shepherd would enter into the danger zone. They had to move east into the valley where shade and water and vegetation were. 
So you see, the canyon was a conflicted space. It was the space where sheep faced both predators and provision, both evil and confidence, both fear and trust. So the valley of Psalm 23 is more than simply a geographical location. It is a school of religion. It is an academy where we learn trust. And in verse 4 of Psalm 23, the shadow academy teaches us a big, our big idea for today. It's this. Valleys are real. God is near. Live without fear. Say that with me. Valleys are real. God is near. Live without fear. That's our big idea. Three lessons comprising the heart of Psalm 23, verse 4. Lesson number one, valleys are real. Valleys are real. Psalm 23, verse 4 gives us this sobering reality. Valleys happen. We must anticipate them. It's a sinful broken, fallen world. So in verse 4, the shepherd is not off course. Shepherd's not lost. The valley is part of the journey. In fact, the valley is one of the paths of righteousness that we read about in verse 3. And it's one of the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So David reflects with a real-world perspective about the brokenness, the perils, and the frailty of life. And just live in that verse for a moment, that phrase. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What's David doing there? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's assuming a worst-case scenario. So he doesn't minimize the valley. He doesn't minimize its darkness or danger or threat. Me? I tend to minimize. Right? Oh, come on. It's not that bad. Okay, don't be such a downer. Let's be positive now. Come on. Stop that negative thinking. Let's go. David doesn't do that, does he? He maximizes the valley's reality. In fact, he games out a worst-case scenario. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, can it get any worse than death? The reality is that valleys can be lethal. That's the deal. The reality is that valley paths can get washed out. The reality is that if the shepherd should take a mistaken path, a wrong path, or a dead-end path, it's not like the flock is going to do a U-turn. Because the shepherd's ahead of the flock. And if the shepherd has to do a U-turn, uh, I, I mean, okay, the first among the flock may stop, but then the others, I mean, they're just looking at a tail. They're going to put, I mean, it's going to be messy. It's going to be messy. Sheep, sheep, sheep can't walk backwards. 
Bad things happen. And even on the right path, there can be missteps or false steps or stumbling or falls to the bottom of the gorge. Even on the right path, predators lurk. You may be thinking, Pastor, I can't, why are you bringing up all this bad news? Because this, what does your Bible say? Even though means verbally, grammatically, even though means it's pretty much going to happen. I don't know every story about every person in this room, but I know this about every person in this room. You're either in the valley, you've either gotten out of the valley, or you're about to enter a valley. That's what I know. That's what David knows. So what's your valley? How many of you could stand up here and talk about your shadow valley? I'm thinking about the shadow valley of lost health. I mean, let's just call it for what it is, right? Lost health. I say words like cancer, amputation, catastrophic accident, physical disability, mental and psychological illness. That's lost health. That's a shadow valley, is it not? And yes, I'm talking about the shadow valley of death. Your spouse, your child, your parent. And some of us have experienced the death, the shadow valley death of a marriage. Or the, or the shadow valley death of a job. Or, or the shadow valley death of a friendship. Someone betrayed you. Or something happened and there was a disagreement and one of you, and it really only takes one, right? One of you decided, no, I'm ending this. I'm ending this friendship. I'm ending this relationship. The shadow valley of death looks like many deaths. There's the shadow valley of lost youth. Right? The years begin to pile up. (laughs) The hair turns white. Wrinkles form. Bodies break down. You start repeating yourself. You start repeating yourself. Right? You start repeating, okay. You know, you, it's like the fingers of darkness are just reaching out, man. And there's the shadow valley of lost independence. Hmm. My mother hated that. She hated that. She wanted to get up and drive to Panera on her own every morning. They went to a particular Panera Monday through Friday. Then they went to another Panera on Saturday and still another one on Sunday. I don't know why they changed. They just did. That was their routine. I didn't even bother to ask. But that was it. And she met with her friends in their special corner. And in fact, she was such a regular at uh, the shop where she went that she didn't even have to go to the counter. They saw Mary, and, and my mom, you know, she just loved everybody. And so she would just go sit at her seat, and she got table service. I tried that one time, and I about starved. I said, whoa. 
Oh, you got to go up. All right. And they'd talk and they'd laugh. And, and then over a period of six weeks, she went from living on her own and driving on her own. And six weeks later, she was in assisted living. Lost independence. That was hard. The, the shadow valley of lost usefulness. You live long enough, you, you, you out live your usefulness, at, at least in the workplace, mandatory retirement age, and, and you watch you know, life go on without you. I mean, that, there it is, right? The shadow valley of lost meaning. You get older, and, and your possessions and your opinions and status and success, whatever else you were striving for, will lose their significance. I mean, this is, this is David's son Solomon gave us the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Ecclesiastes just gives us the fact of shadow valleys. They're real. And so the fact of shadow valleys ought to destroy in your mind, in my mind, the false doctrine of the prosperity gospel. The, the prosperity gospel false doctrine that claims that if you only had enough faith, then, then you know, your, your pocketbook would swell and you'd have perfect health and then there'd be victory. Enough faith equals wealth, health, and victory. And I... I it concerns me that some of us might be taken in by that false doctrine. Please don't be. Please don't be. The, the Apostle Peter urges us to anticipate shadow valleys. And one shadow valley is the shadow valley of persecution. Where because of your faith in Christ, it will cost you money. And it could cost you your life. And that's why Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So don't be surprised when you enter the shadow valley. And Peter goes on to say, now listen, you know, I'm not talking about suffering for cause. Peter says, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. He says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. And then Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 19, therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Valleys are real, church family. They happen. Anticipate them. That's lesson number one. Which leads us to lesson number two. Valleys are real. God is near. Amen? God is near. So, point of fact, 
Psalm 23 comes to us by way of the Hebrew language. And in the Hebrew, there are 55 words in Psalm 23. What's fascinating is the numerical center of Psalm 23. Stay with me. In Hebrew, there are exactly 26 words before and 26 words after the phrase, for you are with me. Did you get that? So the, the exact center of Psalm 23 is, in the Hebrew, it's just three words, but it's the phrase, for you are with me. For you are with me. 26 words before that, 26 words afterwards. You say that's, that's a coincidence. It's really not. It's really not. It's a feature of, of Hebrew poetry. There are several features of Hebrew poetry. And one feature is that you'll typically find the big idea of a Hebrew poem right in the bullseye. And so... So leading up to that phrase, David speaks of God in the third person. God does this and God does that. But when we get to the numerical center, David speaks directly to God. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they cover me. God is near. And did you notice something else? The third person becomes a second person. Third person speech, the Lord is my shepherd, becomes you are with me. So the valley is the occasion for intimate conversation with the God who is near. That the valley did not bring me closer to God. No, he's always been close. Rather, the valley simply clarified the closeness of God. That's what valleys do. Furthermore, by switching from the third person to the second person, David teaches us that talking about God should quickly be followed up with talking to God. So on the heels of the Lord is my shepherd should come a prayer of trust, for you are with me. On the heels of God is generous should come a prayer of gratitude. Thank you, God, for your generosity. In other words, Psalm 23, 4 disrupts my doubts by making me see that I can never talk about God behind his back. My thoughts and my deeds and my desires and my doubts and my questions and my moods, all of these occur in his presence, to his face, at his right hand. So, so the one who leads us in verses 1 through 3, meaning he's out in front of us, is the one who's with us, right beside us. Ver verse 4 is no declaration about God in his absence. It is a prayer addressing him in his presence. And even in the most terrifying valley in your life, there is where God can be found. And guess what? He's armed. What's your Bible say? Thy rod and thy staff, 
by re- what's, a, what's a rod? It's a weapon. It's a two-foot-long stick with like a stone bulb attached at the end, and a skillful shepherd knows how to use it, knows how to swing it, knows how to throw it, knows how to kill with it. And then there's the staff. That's the, that's the long pole. We're familiar with that. There's the rod the shepherd kind of puts in his belt. And the staff is this long pole for guiding the sheep. And David says that your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. Ah, they nahum me. Nehemiah, the comfort of God. Nahum, the prophet Nahum, comfort. We could even say this. They give me courage. They give me courage to do what needs to be done. Hmm. Church family, please hear me when I say this. I, I want all of us, I want all of us to be like the godly woman of Proverbs 31:25. Proverbs 31:25. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and then this verse, I love this, she laughs at the time to come. She laughs, she laughs at the future. How, how is that possible? With everything that can go wrong, I thought you said valleys happen. Valleys happen. How can this godly woman face the future without worrying or fear? How is that possible? Is it, is it because she took Randy's How to Read the Bible class on Wednesday nights? Huh? Eh, possibly, but let's, let's probe that a little further. Is it because she's taken Financial Peace University and she's got enough money in the bank and she's, she's ready for any contingency? Well, contingencies are good. Financial Peace University class, we're teaching that right now. That's, yes, that's good, but is that, let's go further. Is it because she's in great shape and she has perfect health with a perfect marriage and a doting husband who's also in great health and they also have picture-perfect kids who get straight A's in school. Is that why? Is that why she can laugh at the time to come? Is it because she's surrounded by supportive friends who pour into her and she's managed to remove every toxic relationship in her life? Is that it? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe it's this. Is it because all of her preferred politicians are in office and everything seems to be trending north? Is that it? Oh, now he's gone to meddling. Listen, if that's your idea of a fearless life, you are primed for a pretty rude wake-up call. Because the godly woman in Proverbs 31 is fearless because she knows the shepherd is near. She, who is in the valley, has put her trust in the God over the valley. You know, for some of us, we kind of, our mindset is our whole life strategy is summed up as stay out of the valley. But that's not going to work, church family, because at some point you're going to go through it. And what I want is for us to be ready the day we need to enter it. And so I came here to say that we should say, I can live there if I must because God is with me and he is more. Do you believe that? So the point is not steer clear of the valley. And the Christian 
does not say, well, I knew this would happen, or, or how could this happen? No. Instead, the Christian speaks what Paul said in Romans 8.31, if God is for me, who can be against me? So Christians do not say, what if? Christians say, whatever. God is near. Valleys happen. God is near. Valleys happen. Anticipate them. God is near. Speak to Him. What do I say? Here's what you say. Here's what you say. You say Psalm 16.1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. That's what you say. That's your prayer. In the, preserve me, O God, for in you I take. Not preserve me because you owe me. Not preserve me because, you know, I'm, I'm going to church. Not preserve me because of my past or my future faithfulness or because I'm useful or worthy. Just preserve me. Because without you, it's all fear. With you, no fear. And I really don't know what David was thinking of when he wrote Psalm 23. Uh, I know that if we look at his life in 1 and 2 Samuel, we will... We will see valleys. There was the valley of Ziklag in 1 Samuel 30. 1 Samuel 30. After he became uncontested king, there was the valley of his own son's rebellion, Absalom. What's your valley? And whatever it is, the response is the same. The prayer's the same. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. In you I find protection and safety. To seek refuge is to, to find a place where we can relax and let our guard down and just, just go, okay. You don't have to be on high alert. To find refuge is to find rest. To find a place where we can sleep all night. Hmm. A child fleeing from a bully takes refuge at his older brother's side. Little chicks hearing a loud noise take refuge beneath the wings of their mother. A family hearing a tornado siren takes refuge in the safe room. When you're faced with dangers and threats, where do you turn? When your self-sufficiency proves to be insufficient, where do you run? I mean, we all seek refuge. But do we seek refuge in God? Do we run to Him? Do we hide in Him? Or do we run to earthly things, worldly matters, false idols? Huh? Valleys are real. Anticipate them. God is near. Speak to Him. And lesson number three is live without fear. That is, 
summon trust in the Lord. Summon trust in the Lord. David says, I, I, will, I will not fear. I will choose not to fear. Fear comes knocking on my door. I'm going to send Jesus. Oh, he's here. See, he's why we can say that I will not fear. Because we have a shepherd who entered the valley before us by himself. He knows the path. He's not lost. And his rod and staff came together in the shape of a cross. And with the rod of the cross, Jesus bludgeoned the devil. You see, before Psalm 23 is Psalm 22. Did you notice that? Look at Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is about the valley of the cross. And in an unparalleled way, Psalm 22 captures the suffering of the chief shepherd in, in first person. I mean, it's as if Jesus himself is speaking here. Verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where do we remember that? At the cross. Verse 6, I'm a worm and not a man. They treated him like a worm on the cross. I'm poured out like water, verse 14. We, we, Psalm 22 gets us into the heart of Christ, the afflicted one, where we see his faith in the midst of the shadow valley of death. So, so faith and trust is an amazing theme in Psalm 22. So the afflicted one is forsaken, but not ultimately forsaken. Verse 24, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has heard when he cried to him. So affliction happens, but it's not the end of the story. The suffering one, verse 26, will eventually eat and be satisfied, which is this, church family, the valley is a corridor, not a cul-de-sac. In Psalm 22, affliction becomes deliverance. Even in thick pain the afflicted one knows that God can be trusted I trust you with this God he knows that God is faithful father into your hands I commend my spirit right before our eyes we see the Messiah forsaken but not ultimately forsaken and then there's a, like a twist occurring in Psalm 22 when we get to the close of Psalm 22, we see that the, one day the entire world is going to worship He who had been crucified but is now resurrected. For the kingship belongs to the Lord and He rules over the nations. I believe that, do you? Psalm 22 paints a vivid portrait of affliction and it looks to the resurrection and then closes with this future facing kingly reign. It's right here in Psalm 22 that the gospel writers tell us what Jesus was fulfilling. 
He went through the valley of the cross so that he could be near you in your valley. Now, can your shepherd do that? <laughs> your, sh your shadow valley will reveal your shepherd. Whatever you were struggling with before, whatever dysfunctions were within, <laughs> shadow valleys just squeeze them and they surface. That's what valleys do. Valleys don't make you feel a certain way. They expose whatever shepherd we were pursuing in the first place. When you get into a valley and you're on a path and then all of a sudden it turns dangerous and you realize, you realize you're by yourself. Where's my shepherd? Good question. That's a, that's a bad time to find out you don't have a shepherd, by the way. David paints out this worst-case scenario, death itself. <laughs> and he argues from the greater to the lesser. If God is God over the worst, then I can handle the lesser. Huh. Because my shepherd is a resurrected king. And he is not the God of what if. He is the God of whatever. Valleys are real. God is near. Live without fear, church. That's the word for today. All right, I'm done.